Welcome to the Heart of Rural America podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Radke, an American cattle rancher and motivational speaker, raising my kids and writing children's books in South Dakota. There's a David and Goliath story unfolding in agriculture today. And I don't know about you, but my money is on the underdog, the hardworking folks who value faith, family, freedom, and their farming communities. This show will highlight the untold stories of these resilient and determined families who I have the great pleasure of meeting in my travels across this nation as an agricultural speaker. It is my hope that their stories will remind us to live with great courage because we are not alone in this fight to keep producers on the land and meet dairy and eggs on the dinner table. Now let's hit the dusty trail together as we uncover the heart of rural America. Welcome to your show. Here's my mom, Amanda Wacky. Hey everybody, it's Amanda Radke here, and it is an exciting day in the podcast world. You know, when I started The Heart of Rural America, I didn't really know who would listen to it or what kind of attention it would attract. In fact, my whole goal was just to tell the stories. I, I have never really focused on hitting the traffic or the number of hits or really focusing on the analytics. I just sincerely wanted to tell good stories and highlight the great people in rural America that I get to meet along the dusty trail because my life has been so infinitely enriched by these people that I get to meet when I'm out on the road speaking at agricultural conferences and events. And every time I would get done speaking, get in the pickup truck and head home, my cup would just be so full. Every time I go speak, it's so full, not because of how the speech went or, you know, that I got hired to speak, but because of the rich conversations I get to have post speech with the folks that are in attendance at these events. And, and so that was my goal with the heart of rural America is just to highlight these great people and to share them with all of you, because it just felt like a shame that just me was getting to meet all these wonderful people. And so along the dusty trail, I meet all kinds of interesting folks who come from all different walks of life, who have different life experiences and things to teach us. And, and it's such an honor to share their stories. But the reason I am excited today is because the heart of rural America is spreading farther and faster than I ever could have imagined. I am so honored and pleased to hear that you guys are enjoying the topics and the guests. There's nothing better than being at an auction sale with CK6 Consulting and some of the bull buyers in attendance say to me, we listen to the podcast all the way to the sale or getting to have people that, you know, you never would have guessed, whether it's the agricultural community or consumers in big cities. And they're messaging me on social media saying, I'm learning so much from this show. And so it's really fun to be able to connect some dots and bridge the gap and, and to have both an urban and rural audience paying attention and tuning in. So if I haven't thanked you yet, thank you so much for tuning in to the heart of rural America. It is just a little piece of myself that I'm so grateful that I can share with you and that you're enjoying and finding value in. But today I have a big announcement and that the 
podcast is now hitting the radio waves. So thanks to my friend, Andrea Wood, who is the owner and manager of Dirt Road Radio out in Wyoming, the show is now hitting the airwaves. And so it is going to be, if you are in the Wyoming area, on 103.1 FM KYDT and 1450 AM KBFS. And so Thank you so much to Andrea and the entire Dirt Road Radio group for picking up the show. Never was my intention in the first place, but full transparency, Andrea has been after me to start a radio program for, I don't know, three, four years. And I'm like, oh, I don't have time for it. And I kicked the can on it. And I I didn't think anyone would care what I had to say anyway. So I just, I didn't pursue it. And all of the the factors, all of the things have kind of aligned in the last couple of years with some great sponsors, great advertisers, a great partnership that helps to make it possible. And then also a great editor who packages the program and brings it to all of you. So all of those pieces have finally come together to create this show that has kind of been in the back of my mind for a very, very long time. So I'm just very excited to share this announcement that we are going to radio. We are going to hit the airwaves on Dirt Road Radio out in Wyoming. And so tune in there to catch every episode from here on out. Now, today's episode is a really great one. I had a short window of time to interview this guest, Dr. David Cole. He is an, a leading expert out of Virginia Tech. He's also a producer himself, and he really focuses on agricultural trends, economic ups and downs, strategic planning, risk management, entrepreneurship, and everything in between. And if you've listened to this show long enough, you know that one of my biggest focuses is keeping producers on the land and to keep meat, dairy, and eggs on the dinner table. And the only way we can do that is by ensuring and focusing on profitability in the production sector uh, to keep families in a viable business that allows them to do what they love to do, to raise their children on the land, and to have the next generation step into this space. And so in this upcoming interview, I get to visit with Dr. Cole. It's a great conversation with a ton of value packed into a short 25-minute window. But it's a really cool story how we first connected I was still engaged, wasn't even married yet, just getting started speak on the speaking circuit, and we were both at the same conference in Michigan. In fact, that event was so formational for me. There was an interaction I had with one of the attendees that I still tell that story on the road 13 plus years later. And so it's a lot of fun. Uh, like I said, this is a perfect example of someone I met on the dusty trail 13 years ago and why the power of networking is so important because here we are, I was in Virginia speaking at Virginia Tech over a decade later and he was in my audience, Dr. Cole, this man that I've enjoyed following and listening to all these years, not just because he is successful in academia, but because he has boots on the ground experience in production agriculture. And so now that I've just yacked on long enough, I just want to thank you guys again for tuning in. I wanted to prep you as we head into this interview with Dr. Cole, one of the leading experts in agricultural business and economic trends. And I hope you get a wealth of information from this episode. We actually had audience members tune in 
and submit their questions to ask Dr. Cole. And so it's a lot of fun and it really gives me insights too on who's listening and finding value. And it's really neat to see that there are a lot of first generation producers who are tuning into the show, who want to learn more, who are seeing these experts coming in and sharing uh, their knowledge and experiences on the show. And so I want to see more of that, of connecting, you know, age and wisdom and, and seasoned experience with eager, energetic, hardworking young people who want to step into this space. And if we do that, we can ensure that there is a new generation of people who will produce food for us to enjoy. And so with that, this is the heart of Roll America with Amanda Radke. We are on the dusty trail again, getting ready to talk to Dr. David Cole. Here we go. And thanks for tuning in. The Heart of Rural America is presented to you by my dear friends at CK6 Consulting, a cattle business consulting service with a purebred Angus focus. I recently joined the CK6 crew, and I would love to connect with you at an upcoming sale. Check out the sale calendar at ck6consulting.com to learn more about opportunities to invest in elite Angus genetics coming from our progressive and innovative clients who truly exemplify what it means to be the heart of rural America. And for all your semen needs, visit ck6source.com, an online stud service that features some of our clients' top performing bulls. Give Chris Earle, Wes Teeman, Cody Fleeman, or myself a call with any questions or business inquiries you may have. CK6 is all about families helping families, and I'm so proud and grateful to be a part of it. Now let's get back to the show. It's Amanda Radke back for another episode of The Heart of Rural America. And today's guest needs absolutely no introduction. Dr. David Cole is an academic Hall of Famer in the College of Agriculture at Virginia Tech. And we recently had the opportunity to connect when I was speaking out on campus to the agricultural students. And Dr. Cole, I just want to welcome you warmly to the show. And I'm excited to dive right into some of these big topics that we have on the agenda. Well, first of all, thanks for coming out to Virginia Tech. The students really enjoyed you. Uh, matter of fact, we got some great comments uh, back and thank you for coming out. And matter of fact, it's a beautiful day here in the Blue Ridge Mountains, about 70 degrees. Uh, the leaves are changing. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful country out there. And, you know, I was so impressed that I can barely remember where I've been, I don't know, like last week. And I had said to you, oh, we met, I think it was 13 years ago. Mm -hmm. I, was, I wasn't even married yet. And we were both speaking at this Michigan event and you knew the exact places, a dairy meeting in, what was the town again? Frankenmuth. Frankenmuth. <laughs> That's where Christmas is. Uh, 365 days a year. Yeah. Isn't it yeah. funny how paths can cross and then yeah. years later, you do often come to my hometown of Mitchell, South Dakota to oh, speak yeah. at First Dakota National yeah. Bank. And I've, I've always really valued your insights, not just as an expert and a professor and, and someone that teaches in the academics, but also someone that's really rooted in agriculture yourself. I guess just to kick things off, just to give people a little bit of perspective, uh, what's your background in agriculture? What do you do back ho at home on the farm? Well, we have a cow-calf operation and we also uh, raise uh, hay. We uh, do both round bale, square bale, uh, mainly to uh, beef and equine owners. But other part of our business, I'm in there with my son, 
on that one. But uh, we have Homestead Creamery. We've been in business 23 years. Wow. And it's, uh, uh, it was designed to keep small farms in business. We had six small farms, 75 to 125 cows produced for the creamery. We sell uh, milk in the old-fashioned glass bottle. We sell premium ice cream. We're noted in this area for our ice cream. And we're coming into eggnog and custard uh, season. And wow. uh, first year of business was about 650000 in sales more. We'll probably hit close to $15 million this year. And that uh, was started by a young person, 27 years of age. Wow. I, I love that model because we see so many producers, both in the cow-calf. You know, we lose 1,300 cow-calf operators every year. We lose another 2,500 small dairies every year. And so is this creating pathways to profitability for these small farms? I, I mean, I just love what you're doing there. You're putting what I talk about and really, and what you talk about on the road into practice. Yeah. One of the things that uh, our producers, and mainly they're from about uh, 25 to 45 years of age, this is allows them to be productive, we give them a consistent milk price uh, all the time so they can do their planning. And it's part of the community. It's real interesting now that colony, Franklin County, Virginia, is down to 28 dairies. And we have six of the 28 dairies. And a lot of folks would say probably those six dairies probably wouldn't exist if we didn't have the creamery. So it's, it's really good to, you know, has a good feeling, but we also are very close to the consumer and we pay attention to what they want. We actually launched A2A2 milk a couple of years ago for lactose intolerant people. We just had a big open house and I did the milking parlor, milking tour, and we had two or three people say, I can drink milk now. Boy, that just puts a, a big warm and fuzzy in the heart. Well, I, I feel so excited to be sitting and, and speaking with you today because you're an expert in, in business growth and economic trends and risk management and feel like there's such a wealth of information to glean from you in a short window of time. And I had asked people on social media, I said, I'm, I'm talking to Dr. Cole, what questions do you want answered? And there was a lot of young producers that weighed in. And so one question from Sarah Preston came in and she says, I would be curious to know, looking down the road, where does Dr. Cole see the most opportunity for young farmers? Is there a segment or area of ag he thinks we should pay attention to or something that you're particularly excited about? Sarah, that's a common question that I get. And you know what I, I say? I don't think there's one next big thing. If it, if there was one next big thing, there would be all the venture capital coming in. You know where I see the opportunity? It's about the 5% rule. It's trying to be 5% better, no matter what enterprise. You know, many of you have beef cow calf or you know, feeding out some cattle, but you might have a lean operation. It's being 5% better in production, operational efficiency, marketing, financial management, but you know what the big one that's coming, and you speak on this, is human resource management. You may not hire a number of people, but you interact with suppliers, you interact with the community, you interact with the consumer out there. So my answer would be, it's kind of boring. It's about being 5% better incrementally in many of the areas. And Dr. Danny Kleinfeller, who just recently passed away, Texas A&M, he coined that that's what he saw the TPAP, the ag executive people, 
that I, I've spoke to for 33 years. That's what they do. And, and, and I got to tell you, Amanda, I'm speaking from the head and the heart. That's what we uh, uh, attempt to do both in the cow-calf hay operation, but also particularly in the dairy creamery where the numbers are bigger. Yeah, no, that's great. And and kind of to add on that, Kelly Talbert asks, what would your suggestion be for a first-generation farmer that wants to farm but has to start from ground zero in terms of land and stock? Yeah, one of the things that uh, you will do in starting from a scratch, oftentimes you'll have outside income. I call it gig income. And one of the things, I do about 15 young and beginning farmer rancher conferences annually. The younger generation or the beginners are very resourceful. And so they'll use their outside income or side gigs to kind of leverage that money to kind of, you know, build the resources that are necessary, whether it's the machinery or whether it's the livestock. And what you'll find is probably that first 10 years, it'll be kind of slow go. But what you're attempting to do is build. So then, just like you did, you get you that first track of land and then the second track of land. And I've got to tell you, there's a number of programs out there with the banks, farm credit, uh, also with the government, where you don't have to have a big down payment. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes you can use those FSA combined with bank or farm credit programs to actually put together a package so that you can acquire the necessary resources. But I think something that's very, very critical is to uh, develop that cash flow. And uh, we actually do a weekly cash flow at the creamery, but a quarterly cash flow. And it's 80% of the business plan because you got to think through your production, your marketing, and your finance. But the key thing is to monitor it. But I heard you say this at Vatech the other night. Sometimes you've got to have some coaches and mentors to help you along. And can I just add to that? 21% of American farmers and ranchers have no next gen to come back. So there's going to be a lot of opportunity out there, particularly as us baby boomers, you know, kind of go through the retirement years. Yeah, I hear that all the time. There's no labor and nobody wants to work. And yet I know so many young people that would kill to be in production agriculture. And I think it's just a matter of starting to ask the questions and put yourself out there and, and, and find those older producers that are looking for maybe some kind of succession plan. And, you know, you never know unless you ask. Yeah. And one of the things that they all look for, can I trust you? Yep. And sometimes you may not be you know, an expert or anything, but sometimes just being a good listener, I often say God gives us two of these, one of these yes. wants us to listen twice as much as we speak, mm-hmm. soak it in, and then basically, you know, care about people. And, and if you can kind of put that in the position, and I got to tell you, man, sometimes I find we'll have some discourse in uh, family businesses. And so sometimes I suggest that they go out, you know, and start on on their own Mm -hmm. if you can't go back into the family. But I find right now the agri-entrepreneur is alive and well, and it's uh, shaping the next gen 
of agriculture. And that's what I get excited about. <laughs> yeah. Well, your your enthusiasm and your joyfulness is contagious. I, I, I think a lot of times, especially in the livestock industry, we can fall into this pitfall of being negative and all oh, the deck is stacked against us and it's never going to work. I guess maybe two part question. What do you see the biggest pitfalls right now for livestock producers are? And how do you see producers that are doing well in navigating through some of those pitfalls? Yeah, I think one of the pitfalls is sometimes we'll think in the silo. Mm -hmm. And in other words, grandpa, grandma did it this way. Mom and dad did it this way. So we're going to do it uh, kind of this way. And one of the things that I really find is to develop those relationships with other peers. And can I just suggest, man, get outside your industry. Sometimes I find uh, going and looking at other agricultural industries. It might be a landscaping business, et cetera. Just see how they do it. Mm -hmm. And that, that I call it the executive management mindset, very, very critical. And one of the big headwinds in our beef industry, sometimes, you know, the prices are dictated. So, you know, we got a lot of consolidation. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't go too far there, but I'm being a realist. Yeah. And then I'm starting to see, for example, some folks are starting their own processing business. Uh, some of them are doing regenerative land resource projects as the competitive edge. Sometimes they're going back and looking at what their grandmother and grandfathers did way back in the 1920s and 30s as far as land practices, et cetera, et cetera. So the whole point I'm trying to get across, cycles are out there. Right now, we're in a pretty favorable part of the beef cycle yeah and we got the price advantage but then one of the things that you got to be really careful of you got to be reinventing yourself one of the things we'll say at the creamer what are two or three things that we can do to continue to align with that uh, consumer out there and so that would be some of my advice out there and it's real interesting man you've seen it i can tell by the audience uh, i'll get some folks that are just kind of production oriented, et cetera, et cetera. But once I sit down, maybe have lunch with them or, you know, in the evening, et cetera, they'll come up two days later and go, you know, I, this business stuff, finance stuff, marketing stuff, I wasn't too keen to it, but you know, you might have some points there. So sometimes <laughs> don't be overwhelmed by everything. Uh, you can't, you know, it's about eating an elephant, you know, taking yep. one bite. And so don't be overwhelmed and be coachable. I think yeah. that's a, a key out there as well. The Heart of Rural America is presented in part by Lynn's Heritage Angus and Meats by Lynn's. Founded in 1963 as a Chicago neighborhood butcher shop and growing to an international supplier of high quality beef in the white tablecloth space. Meats by Linz is a four-generation, family-owned business. The Linz Heritage Angus Program was developed to allow for greater control of the end product, a focus on using elite Angus genetics while also managing the feed, environment, age, and weight of the cattle allows Fred Linz and his crew the ability to source the very best beef produced from the heart of their Angus program, meeting and exceeding the needs of their customers worldwide. Discover more at lindsheritageangus.com and shop for beef at shoplinds.com. Use code AMANDA20 to save 20% on your next beef purchase. That's a pretty sweet deal, my fellow beef lovers. 
Working cattle can be stressful at times, but the job is made so much easier with equipment that is safe, strong, and simply designed. I highly recommend Real Tough Livestock Equipment for all your working facility needs. We just installed the Deluxe Chute at Radke Landing Cattle, and it has been an absolute game changer as we run cows through our chute during AI season. It's durable and easy to use, and it's made to last a lifetime. Real Tough offers a wide range of products, including calving barns, panels, loading chutes, tubs, alleys, and portable working systems. Manufactured in the U.S. of A., Real Tough is family-owned and operated. Their commitment to helping farm and ranch families truly exemplifies what this show is all about. Learn more at realtough.com, that's T-U-F-F, and be sure to tell them Amanda sent you to receive an extra bonus with your order. Let's get you some iconic green Real Tough equipment headed your way. I promise you're going to love it. Well, I've had to learn to work backwards instead of forward, you know, and you're, when you're on the cow-calf side, you are at the beginning stage. So you're thinking about calving ease and weaning calves and doing all those things. But now my mindset is very much, what does the customer want and how do I work backwards? And I had to learn that by starting a pandemic project of a, of a retail boutique where I'm selling like farm toys and books and sweatshirts. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I need to get the sweatshirts that the people will want. And then I work backwards to source it. And then I have to tell the story and people can't buy if they don't know what I'm selling. And so are producers good at telling their story? I'm not so sure. No, they are. And so sometimes they need some coaching and uh, mm-hmm. some assistance there. And it's funny you brought that up. I know in our, uh, we do AI uh, with the cows and we hit the dollar value. But boy, one of the things that we're breeding for is docility. Yep. And a big theme around our, our farm is age friendly because of me. <laughs> I don't care <laughs> if it's handling facilities. Uh, like this morning, I was feeding cows. I'm in this suit and, you know, be talking to the uh, leaders tomorrow. But I just every time. Thank goodness we've got an age-friendly type of situation. Many of our calves actually go up and uh, they are sold, fed out and sold direct to consumers. So people really wanted to know know some of the attributes uh, that we use in the AI. And I see this very, very exciting. And there's nothing like when a a person says, boy, that steak or even the hamburger, you know, just tastes better. Or with us, it's the milk and the ice cream. This gives you... You know, warm and fuzzy, but sometimes what you have to do, you have to go listen to programs like, you know, that you do so that you can develop that story. And people really like authenticity. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. And boy, they can see through it authenticity and trust, but then know what you're talking about and then being able to de- align and deliver out there. Uh, very critical. And you'd say, well, I'm out here in Hinderland, Nebraska, or, you know, out there. Again, people will connect with you. Yeah, and it's it's just a matter of getting out there. Social media makes it so much more yeah. available to to connect with people, to connect with your audience. And you know, I, I want to switch gears a second. I see you were out in my neck of the woods. You were in Bismarck here speaking at oh. a, a credit conference. And oh, you tracked me down. <laughs> oh yeah, just a just your biggest fan girl here. But I, I there was a little report written about what you had talked about, and there was a, a quote that they had mentioned in the article that says, "Right now, agriculture is experiencing a triple play." And you say yeah. for the first time since 
the early 1980s, farmers are having to manage prices, inflated costs, and interest rates all at the same time. You call it Patsy Klein crazy, and you tell people we will not have another farm crisis unless farmland values collapse. Can you explain that a little bit to us? Yeah, yeah. Right now, if you really think about it, we have these inflated costs. I'm talking the ag industry in general, not beef. Yep. And then we got interest rates up 500 basis points or 5%. And Mm -hmm. then we got such volatility in prices. And normally we only have to manage one or two of those. Right Right. now we got to manage all three. So the margin for error is extremely thin. And that's why you've really got to be on your numbers. and, 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 you know, on a business plan, I heard this said the other day, You can develop the business plan, and we do at the creamery, but we tweak it throughout the year and as it goes. And and as far as farmland is concerned, I want you to think about this, man, and to the folks following the podcast, 82% of the U.S. farm balance sheets farmland. The other makes up machinery cattle, you know, inventories. And so we would have to have a collapse in farmland and ranch farm and ranch land values to have another 1980s and what's preventing that right now it's called the d demographics many people that own farms and ranches are in my age group out there Mm -hmm. and we're going to continue to buy farm ground because we're not going to invest in cryptocurrency (laughs) stock market and so this uh what we're seeing is that ownership of farmland in the demographics, many of those folks are debt-free or minimal amount of debt. And so that's why I don't see the, you know, the collapse. And, you know, I think they quoted me, Patsy Klein crazy. And again, I, I like old country. I do. And, <laughs> and that's one of the things, the farmland values have been going up at an accelerating rate. And I see that leveling off a little bit. And actually we might see some declines, but it would take a 30, 40, 50% decline to throw us back into the 1980s. And so that's kind of where I was coming from. And I was speaking, uh, they had a well over 150 bankers, ag bankers. And, you know, I do that conference usually every other year. And so that was kind of my message. And what it does, I'll hear young farmers go and ranchers say this, well, I can't uh, continue along because I don't have collateral or land is collateral. Mm-hmm. Then what you have to have is a high business IQ. I call it the cranium, the management. And that's knowing your cost of production, knowing your break even, having a marketing risk management plan, doing a cash flow, doing all those. Then what that does, it gives your confidence to your lender that, you know, maybe we can take a little bit more risk. And I'll tell you one thing that we have, we didn't have in the 1980s. We've got crop insurance, livestock insurance, and we got guarantees. And I think that's actually put a floor out there. So that's where I was coming from in the conference up there at Bismarck. And by the way, really enjoyed that. And the bankers in there, boy, they were engaged, very, very engaged. Now, how do you see bankers looking at the livestock industry in general right now? I've been speaking at a lot of banking conferences too, and I always ask them, and it always seems like they don't want to like put their bets on the on the cowboy are you seeing that are you bearish or bullish on the cattle industry but they they'll ask me and right now i say you know the beef cow calf it's hotter than a pepper sprout here we go (laughs) no the prices are good you know our cattle inventories are down etc etc demands uh pretty good 
one of the things that kind of concerns anchors and lenders with the cattle industry, sometimes we'll see fraud. Hmm. In other words, we've got X amount of cattle on the balance sheet. We go out there, uh-oh, they aren't there. And so fraudulent activities occasionally can occur. And the other thing is, I will say this, sometimes the bankers think that the focus is just on production, production. Mm -hmm but mm -hmm. they don't realize we've got a whole new group of people in our industry that know the numbers, know the marketing and risk management program. So that's one of the things that I really try to convince them, hey, take a chance. And you know what the other thing, just like yourself, I'm seeing more and more folks in the, in the beef industry have the outside gigs and different things like this. And you know what? Yeah, it's income, but you know what you're doing? You're out there networking picking up new ideas. So that's how I convince kind of the cautious banker that maybe you need to take a chance out there and maybe they're not gonna have all the, you know, uh, land collateral, et cetera, et cetera, but they got the management and the business IQ. That's the thing that I really try to train out there. You know what, the other thing that we do, sometimes at the conferences and at the school, for example, we uh, had the Advanced Ag Banker School down in Nebraska, Kansas, Nebraska. We have number three days, but we had three producers attend all all three days. And so there was a quite and two of them were beef cow calf and feeding out steer or feeding out cattle. And what was real interesting, if there was a question, we'd turn around and uh, we'd ask them. And by the way, the producers there were from about uh, 35 to 50 years of age. Wow. And so sometimes what I do, and I'm kind of in the position to do it. I try to, you know, bring people together. Yeah. And, you know, give them new thoughts and ideas. And again, it, it, that's one of my roles in life now. <laughs> I think storytelling, being able to tell your story to your banker too, is just as equally as important. It makes a difference if you can explain your business model and what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. And, and it doesn't have to be a big fancy business plan. Sometimes I find the most successful business plans might be four or five, six pages, but that cash flow monitoring. No, by the way, knowing the goals, having that cash flow, doing a balance sheet. Mm -hmm. I've got this business IQ, which a number of people will fill out about 15 questions, having those four or five things. What does it do? It brings competence, not only to the frontline banker, but to the analyst that might be just analyzing the numbers. Mm -hmm. And, and that's the, that's the critical element. Now we have what we call the hunters and the skinners. We got the hunters out here hunting deals. We got the skinners in the back office looking at the financials. So yep. having that and, you know, as we told the students over here the other day, or when I lecture in class, I'm pointing over on campus, spreadsheets are your best friends and developing some of those, you know, best average, worst case scenario. But I got to tell you, Amanda, you know what the creamery did to me this year? What's that? They're calling, they're calling me the old fogey. And so they challenged me. They developed the best of the best scenario. And I told them it couldn't be done. Well, of the first nine months, they've exceeded it eight months. But the month they, the month they didn't do it, I said, I told you so. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I'll joke aside, it was really a great challenge. 
That's great. Well, you know, I, I know you're super busy and I promised you a hard stop at 25 minutes. So we'll wrap here and maybe we'll have to have you back for a part two oh, one day down the road. Uh, but, if I'm out there on the road, we'll, we'll do one of these. Yes, we'll have to. We'll have to. I, I do sincerely hope we're at a conference together someday soon. Yeah. But last question, we'll leave it on a light note. I got another question online that asked, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream or, or at the creamery that you sell? It's really interesting. The most popular flavor is vanilla followed by chocolate. Okay. Uh, followed by older people and women like butter pecan. Okay. But you know what my favorite is? What's that? Espresso chocolate chunk. That's uh, I mean, good. you don't have to go to Starbucks. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, oh, that's man. Our dogs just love espresso chocolate. Oh, I know you aren't supposed to feed dogs chocolate, <laughs> but uh, I really enjoy that. And it's uh, really good. That's my favorite. Wonderful. Well, how can people follow along both for the information that you share, the wisdom you share, but also to support your agricultural business as well? Well, one of the things is we do uh, weekly articles, the Road Warrior, uh, okay. and then you'll see me in Farm Futures magazines. But one of the things that uh, I also do uh, various podcasts and different things. So I'm going to have Alicia just kind of send those out and then you Great. can kind of post them up there. And if you get back here in the Blue Ridge Mountains, uh, everything, stop by Homestead Creamer. It's near Wonderful. Roanoke, Virginia. And again, have an ice cream on me. <laughs> and, Wonderful. But, uh, and I just want to shout out, you keep up uh, the good work and everything. And uh, there's just a lot of opportunity in the agriculture industry. And one thing that you said the other night that really hit home, and I took three pages of notes, sometimes success can be measured in dollar signs. Significance is what you give back. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes I'll find farmers and ranchers will say, the best crop I'll ever raise will be my children or grandchildren or a young person that wants an opportunity. Never forget that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm honored. It was it was such a pleasure to see you at Virginia Tech. And, and definitely when you showed me the pages of notes, I was like, oh, wow, the expert is taking notes on what I have to say. So I was deeply humbled by that. But God bless you. Thank you so much yep. for being on the show. And we'll see you on the dusty trail. Yep. Take care now. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the show. If you found value in the message, I would be so grateful if you would subscribe and share to help spread the word. Until next time we meet on the Dusty Trail, I'm Amanda Radke, and this is the heart of rural America.